you just say woman and all they oh no yeah. <laughs> here they come it's gonna be the feminist libtards and yeah. it's female ordination yeah. and it's blah 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 it's like no I am talking about the wisdom of God the fullness of God and we are not teaching the fullness of God which is why we have such a broken right. church you know if we have that healing and that wholeness welcome friends our guest today is a real treat for us uh, it was a treat for us to be able to catch up with her. We haven't really seen her in person since uh, this whole pandemic started. We go to the same church. In fact, uh, she invited us up. And she is a person who started out as a writer. She was a copywriter. But uh, then, because of some very poignant life circumstances involving her daughter and her daughter's health, she turned towards Christianity. She's an adult convert to Christianity, and she is someone who then turned her writing skills towards this uh, this aspect of her life, both through memoir and through actually uh, theology. She is a graduate of the MA program in theology at the college where I teach, Concordia University, Irvine. Her first book uh, was the story of how she um, had to kind of struggle with these questions of life and death and motherhood. It's called Baptism by Fire. She's also compiled and created an arts-based Vespers service called the Renaissance Service. And we really uh, are talking about that sort of thing today uh, because she is coming out with, very soon, a, uh, a musical project that we're going to have to explain it a little bit more because uh, it through the course of this show. But it is a collaborative effort. And uh, she, later in life, decided she wanted to learn piano and then uh, create music, uh, music that reflected her spiritual um, realizations, uh, insights, and also um, a way to channel some of the work she does as a spiritual director. She is someone who has gone up into the high desert, into a monastery, uh, where she would lead and, and organize retreats, spiritual retreats, and also where she would write other books like The Pitcher's Mom and Elijah and the SAT. We'll talk about those things and, and most importantly, some of the songs that are going to be coming out on her album, one of which I'm uh, kind of a part of. I get to sing a little bit, even though I'm one of many, many people, which was good for all involved. Anyway, this is a show really about the contemplative life uh, and prayer and spirituality and the ways that these can help us protect our noggins. Friends, come along for the ride. I think you'll really dig it. I want to start out by saying I apologize, Heather, for uh, being a terrible person when you first met me. I didn't remember this. I was, I was probably caught up in something in my head. And I mean, that's not an excuse. But, um, but you were sitting outside my door. I'm probably like, oh, like freaking out about something or other. And so when I was, when I was talking about on the video when I first met you, this makes sense. It was, it was Amanda Ozaki saying, hey, we got to talk to Heather. Wasn't that it? Related to something that Raleigh Sadler was doing. I introduced Raleigh and Amanda. Ah. And we brought Raleigh out here to support her work and help her create that event. And then you wanted to um, 
to interview him. And it's all good. Yes. You know, I tell you these stories with, with love because oh, it's I so know, fun to it. go back and revisit like how things look because most people can't be honest because there's not that trust. But once you know you can right. trust, yes. people go, you know, this oh, happened no. and that's how it felt on this end well, of it. Terrible. Well, I love how you said he was standing all tall and, <laughs> you know, yeah. probably, if, I don't know, it's like most, you know, most men I know that well, sometimes are around here just kind of like that, you know, that serious yeah. face that. <laughs> yeah, you know. I mean, I would say, though, that there was a line, um, you, you know the Beastie Boys, uh, Adam Yauch uh, was one time harassed, because he, not harassed, he was, he was criticized for saying that, um, uh, you know, he, he had, there was a bodhisattva vow he had on one album, and he said, I, I want to offer my love and respect to women. And they said, no, you can't do that. And he said, listen, it's better to be a hypocrite than to be the same jerk your whole life. <laughs> so thank you for, for your forgiveness and your kindness. But, but uh, we were talking in the last couple of shows about uh, our friend Heather. Here's our friend Heather, everybody. Yes. Hello. <laughs> yeah, did you know your name has come up a couple times? Yeah. I've, listen, I've listened. Um, I've listened to one full episode. You know, I get to see you guys every yeah. week. And I would listen. And I, listen uh, I don't listen. I've listened to more of your podcast than anybody else's. So that's a lot. Well, thank but you. I don't, I don't have a commute, so I don't have yeah. a way to really yeah. work it into my life. And you were saying, oh, just do it while you're doing house cleaning. I don't do a lot of house cleaning. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have a lot of... No, and it, you have to be there. But, but what we're going to talk about is what brought you to this place where late in the game you decided, I'm going to learn piano and I'm going to take all these networks that I've got, all these friends, and we're going to make this album that is joyful and heavy and beautiful how on earth did we get there? That's what we're going to be talking about. Okay. But can we start back a little bit before this? Well, yeah. yeah. Like, what do you, well, how, how'd you get how into this? How far do you want to go back? But, I want to go back to, I want to go back to, I was born. No, no, I'll, I'll tell you where I want to go back. I want to go back to the Crystal Cathedral. I want to, I want to talk, you can find, you can find a video of Heather on the, at the Crystal Cathedral and you're talking about your story, but could you recount just a little bit of that? I mean, how, you did not grow up as a church kid. No, I did not. Uh, no. And when I was uh, 33, I had um, a conversion experience. It was very intense when my infant daughter was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And during the time when I didn't know if she was going to live or die, Christ called me to himself. And then from then on, it was just, I was just all in, like, where are we going? What are we doing? Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't, there was no like, oh, we go to church and that's something we do on Sundays right. for, you know, it was, here's my life, but it didn't feel that way. What it felt like is every single good gift and inclination and ability I had being just like set on fire in ways hmm. that serve the church or the community or whatever. Um, you know, one of the first things that I did, which is really interesting as a response, well, I did two things that were very artistic in the first three years of being a Christian. One is I helped to commission a mural called Jesus Roller Skating with Friends at Venice Beach. The original artwork was done by a monk out at St. Andrew's Abbey, which had became like a second home to me very early on, and that's where I learned all the chant practices and psalm practices and practices of devotion and silence and things. And I just thought that was normal. I thought that's what Christians, I, you know, I didn't know that this was out of the box because it was all new to me. Um, anyway, so we had this mural commissioned, and this is kind of, if, there's, if you see a recurring pattern, it's like, I have the inspiration, I say, let's go, and it's only after it's done, someone goes, you know, that was really, a, oh, 
Oh, I guess you're right. <laughs> so we had this thing mounted. We got an assigned designer and these huge panels, and we had to get a vote through the church to put this art up. And it was a scandal, really, but it all went through. And so we had the unveiling, and the monks come out, and the news crews were there. <laughs> I get all these people there. And this interviewer is saying, you know, it's kind of unusual to have a, um, a Catholic monk put a, on, the, on a Lutheran church. They're not really. <laughs> and I was like, really? And he's like, you know, the Reformation. I was just like, oh, yeah. Yeah, okay, good. And, you know, I, <laughs> so you just, it's, just a, it's just going to... And then the other thing was that I created this thing called the Renaissance Service, which are these just rich, beautiful liturgies that were filled with imagery. I got slides. I gathered slides from all over the world. And we would be in candlelight. I had this wonderful... Um, screen made using a photographer's paper scrim and I had this sculpture build this thing out of copper piping like this tripod stand that I would put up every time so nothing would distract visually there'd be nothing ugly there at the altar <laughs> everything would be beautiful and um, it was a sur- like I didn't know what the word liturgy meant I didn't know anything I just knew that the, the pastor who had been there was a really cool guy he'd come out of Berkeley his name was Ken Frazee and he was really interested in connecting with Whoever wanted to know Jesus, and he mm. knew that I represented a certain kind of new younger person, and um, and we did a whole thing at his house for the first like three or four years called um, Frontiers of Faith, and we learned not only just Lexio but centering prayer, Ignatian prayer. We did yoga. Wow. We did all this at his house. So again. I thought that was normal, right? I, right. So I thought that's what I would have expected. And I would ride my bike there at night. He was like less than a mile from my house, and that sense of freedom—like you just mm-hmm. feel the air. The whole thing was just really beautiful. So he did a service one time in the parish hall because our church had had a fire. Oh, this is my one of my favorite church stories. So it's in the back of the night, the, the, the little fire up in the front part of the church. And this is in Venice Beach. In Venice Beach. And so everyone comes down, and they're all huddled in the back discussing it. And all the older people from the... Um, traditional service are like, well, you know, it's from all those amplifiers. You know, that's what caused it. And all the contemporary people, you know, it's that big organ. Yeah. That was way too much firepower. And, and did, this every, really, did this really happen? Oh, wow. Because even if it didn't, it's a great story. Yeah. It 100% <laughs> That's the real worship word. And that's the, the real whole worship word. story right there. So anyhow, he did this magnificent service in this parish hall using just uh, slides about Van Gogh's life and his relationship to faith. And the whole thing was dark and you saw these images and he talked talked about his Christian walk, and, and he turned the lights on. I was like, oh my gosh, that could be a service. So I started, mm. and I went to him, and he's like, well, we'll have to talk to the board of worship. So I go to this group of ladies, it, and pretty much what they'd done is they'd been replenishing the sacraments and washing the linens, and they picked out the bulletin covers. And I have this whole <laughs> thing of paper with images, and this poem will be read, and then there'll be a dissolve, and then this, and we're going to sing from the Taizé, and then the Marty Haugen will use some of the elements from his Compline service from Holden Village, and I'm pulling all these pieces in, and I'm doing, and they're just looking at me. And then they turn and they go, Pastor, is this something you think we should do? He goes, yes, I do. And he was great because he was willing to put all the time into writing these magnificent, like university level lectures Mm. on these different artists or art forms and their relationship to the faith life. And it, I mean, I remember just every single time it was the richest, fullest, most beautiful experience. And it was all about imagery and none of it's uh, religious imagery. It's Mm. all imagery of emotion and feeling and the human condition. There wasn't a single, I think one one time we had a 
Christ thing. I think it was the the Zubron with the with the lamb. You know what I mean? Just that's the mm-hmm. only right. thing that was that literal. Everything else was much more tied mm. to the Psalms. And so people were coming in from everywhere who hadn't been to church and more men than women. Huh. And they would say, and they're so, because they'd say, you know, I just feel like I was just ambushed by God. And I can just sit here peacefully. Mm. I can have my moment. And then I can leave mm-hmm. without anyone saying, come and join the right. committee and have some pie. And I just want <laughs> right. to, the mm-hmm. hunger to just be still mm-hmm. and be with God and feel the beauty just washing over you. And so we had actually had some people coming down from like Santa Cruz in a van, you know, I mean, wow. so I did it for four years and then I was just burnt. At a certain point I was thinking, well, maybe you can try and do it for PBS and we could get mm. some kind of a funding thing and all that. And then I just, what I was finding is I was putting in so much time to do it so well because it was really impeccable. And, it, you know, I was probably spending 40 hours a week that I wasn't then doing any other writing. Right, and, right. and I was like, I just, I can't keep doing any, like with anything else, it's wonderful. People come, they come, they come. And then like, yeah, I think I'll miss one. It's like, you know, whatever. And then you're like, I, I can't, you can't keep doing it if people don't keep coming. So I say all that because there was always a deep, deep sensitivity to the power of music and contemplative music and that style of thing to connect to people in a way that I don't think Sunday morning worship does. I don't, don't think Not it for a lot of people. Not right. for a lot of people. And so I think that was already in me. And so even though I can't sing and I didn't play an instrument, and I, I, I mean, I really didn't know anything about music. When this whole thing came around, so now we're talking about 25 years later, and now suddenly... I've got songs in my head, and now we're going to have to to figure out how to serve them, you know? So that's how we got here. I, you know, always would think of you as an author. You started uh, your first book, Baptism by Fire. Was that your first book? Uh And that was that account of your coming to faith Mm -hmm. and uh, with with your daughter and all that. Um, I've never asked you about Elijah and the SAT. Oh, Because we've been talking a lot about education lately. Is it about education? Oh, I wish I'd known. I would have brought you that down. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Well, that's another one. That's just another book where it's like, I'm going to do a book about a lot. Well, I was was doing a deep dive on... First Kings and in a prayer thing. And all of a sudden, like, you know where you get this inspiration. It's a listening... And it was right about the time when my son was in high school and you're into that pressure thing where everything is, you know, about uh, college and testing. Mm -hmm. And... I could hear this voice, like this old, like Jewish woman voice going, well, Elijah, as long as you're going to be sitting down there all day at the Wadi chair, why don't you bring some flashcards? <laughs> <laughs> and, and so somehow in my mind, there was something about the Elijah narrative and his story and the reality of what we've done in benchmarking our kids' lives and just crushing them by applying quarterly earnings report thinking onto Mm -hmm. young lives and just destroying them. And I didn't even know how I was going to do it. And it wasn't until I started writing. I didn't think there was going to be a memoir thread. I thought it was just going to be kind of um, kind of social commentary and, and some history of the testing culture and how that all came about mm-hmm. and the SATs and all that. And then with some parts about Elijah saying, I didn't know. And then stuff started happening in real time just as I started writing it. And so there's three threads. It's a perfect braid. It's the entire scriptural narrative of Elijah. And interwoven with these, this history, this social information and the scientific stuff and just, and then real life stuff happening, not just with my own kids, but with neighbor's kids, mm. all dovetailing. 
you know, it's it's a pretty dear book to me, and I'll make sure to get it to you next time because it's extraordinary. I can buy your book okay, go ahead. because it's on Kindle. If it's on Kindle, I'd rather have it on my phone, so okay. that's easy. You can yeah. give me a code if you've got a code. Well, Do you know why I thought of it, by the way? This oh, is just like a weird, this is my, my manic, uh, not my spastic mind. I was thinking about The Crow. Your book cover has a crow on it, or is it a raven? It's a raven. Of course it's a raven. Because it's Elijah. I used to have a pet raven. And then Micah last week was talking about how the SATs kind of got in his way, although he overcame this thing, Mm -hmm. and he was talking about some of the the injustice surrounding the standardized tests, and how he felt stupid, and yet here he is, he's this poet, and he's, you know, instead of giving him the space to be that. So that was last week, and so I figured... I wanted to ask you about that. Well, one. you know what? We in between, do a whole new show on that sometimes. Yeah, the next question. <laughs> I know how long it takes you to read a book, like <laughs> three or four minutes, yeah. and then well, we'll uh, yeah. <laughs> and then we dive in. Yeah, but well, and, and even thinking like with Aiden, our youngest, who's talking, he's in college, and he was saying, you know, it's so nice to finally be in classes that aren't teaching me that are like testing to something, you right, know, right, in the right. same way. This is for his own enrichment, you know. And, and anyway, but yeah, it's. Testing and standardized testing is just crushing them. Yeah. And we know it. We all know it. And the thing is, is people know it's wrong, but everyone's like, go ahead, you step out. Because as long as the world remains competitive, you know, then parents want to be competitive for their kids. Yeah, we'll lay down our weapons if you lay down yours. Yeah. But anyway, uh, dear listener, if you hear a COVID in the background, uh, you know, it's hard for some, uh, even... Stacy and I, I think we got 400 birds on our bird list. It's the ravens. Sometimes, it's Elijah's sometimes, ravens. yeah, we'll call them ravens. They're they're large crows, I think. But uh, uh, but let's get let's get down to business with this. I mean, all of a sudden, you're now you you skip forward. You're 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 not 10. I thought if I didn't figure out how to to play piano by 13, I'm done. I thought it was yeah, like being a gymnast. We've we've heard it takes a long time. Well, it's fair. Okay. Well, I don't play well, and um, but you play. I, I do, and I can't even play my own songs that I've written in full speed and well enough to play them for someone. Fair enough. That's, yeah, yeah that's am- it's amazing, yeah. though, that you have them in your head then, right? Yeah, well, yeah but, and also Sibelius software. I learned how to do that, so then I could hear how I wanted it to hear, and I could notate it and mm-hmm. all that. So this is what was really happening. It was, it was very funny. I'd been doing a lot of speaking in, in 16, 17, 18, those years. I, I was starting to just speak more broadly in the church, which in and of itself is crazy because, you know, supposedly women aren't allowed to speak. And so there I am going around speaking. And it was, I was coming to the end of uh, 2017 and I kept thinking to myself, God, I can't see around the corner. Usually I can see around Mm. the corner, but I can't see around the corner. I don't know what's coming, Mm. but I knew I was going to take like a deep social media rest. (laughs) And it was going to be like from November, you know, through January or whatever it was going to be. And so I did that. And then of course, then you just start having all this very rich prayer time. And out of nowhere, our friend Blake Flatley, I don't know if he's ever been on this show. You guys, a lot of people know him and he's a musician and he does communion arts. So he writes me and he says, Heather, I've got a little budget to do some um, liturgies and I'm going to pair up certain musicians with certain people. And I would like you to co-author a, a liturgy. And I was like, who am I going to be working with? He goes, with me. I was like, he goes, is that all right? I was like, yeah. Yes. I said, well, I am not allowed to do any work right now. I'm in a time of rest. I was calling it my Wadi chair of the season. That's what I, I remember sitting out like, here I am. I'm in my Wadi chair season, and then I'd start making lists, and I was like, Heather, there were no lists in the whiteboard. Erase the whiteboard, clear the whiteboard, you know. And so he said, "Well, no, no, we don't have to work on it, but let's just be thinking about it." And, and I said, "Well, what what part am I going to do?" And I said, "Do you want me to write hymns?" He's like, "Oh, no, 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 no." He goes, "I'm just going to arrange some public domain stuff, but you can kind of give it some shape and some language and prayers." And and I do remember at that moment thinking, "Oh." 
I wonder what it would have been like to write a hymn. Mm. So I said, he goes, let's just talk about some themes. I went down to Long Beach, had coffee with him, and I brought down, of course, like a list of 20 themes, but I already knew which one I wanted to do. I really wanted to do Fear Not. Mm. And I had been thinking about doing a little chat book. You know, I had that little book, Happier Those, and people just loved that book, and I'm so about this kind of backpack apologetics approach. And I thought, the next one I'll do will be Fear Not. I already had the chapters outlined. I never ended up writing it. But it was on my mind as Mm -hmm. an important theme. So I took the list. I said, okay, so Blake, anything speak to you here? And he just goes, right there. Fear not. That's the one. And I was like, okay, there we go. So I went home and I'm thinking, well, let me just look through all my old books. And I have all the, I have all the psalmody um, notebooks from St. Andrew's Abbey. They had given me some old ones. I was looking through those. I was looking through public domain things, but nothing said what I think people needed to hear. And so a lot of my creativity, I think really maybe all people's creativity is about problem solving. What is the Mm -hmm. problem we're trying to solve? I wanted to set the tone for the service. There was no song to do it. We needed a song to do it. What would that be? And right. then just being in the shower. And it was the first time as a writer, you know, you're always hearing phrases or mm-hmm. ideas. Mm-hmm. That's not unusual. But to hear it with a full melody and a full thing, and I could hear it. And it was the, I want to know what angels you know, knew when they said, fear not. And I jumped, and I got a towel, and I'm trying to get, and I, I write to, to Blake on my little Facebook. He goes, sing it, Heather, sing it in the phone. I was like, I don't, I don't think I have an app for that. He goes, Heather, you do, it's there. It's called My Memo, and I'm looking, and I can't find it, and he's telling me how to download it, and I'm humming, and I'm writing the notes, and, you know, it's this whole kind of real-time thing. I'm dripping in my towel, and yeah. anyway, I get it all down, and so that was the first verse in the course, and then, you know, like half hour later, I'd written the whole thing, mm. and but I still didn't know any instrument. I didn't compose. I didn't do anything. And so he ended up having to wrestle that on the page for me. I would sing it, and I would tell him what it is, and the other thing. And he would write stuff back to me. And I was like, no, 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 this part, no, this phrasing's here. This is slower. No, you're rushing. Those are my... And I would tell him until we got it right. I mean, he had to do it like yeah. 10 times. Yeah. That was the only one anybody else had to actually notate. So that was all in my mind. And then in January... Out of nowhere, I did not see this coming. I had been in spiritual direction for about nine months at that point. I'd been seeing a spiritual director. And I guess I kind of knew that she was involved with a larger training program called CFDM of that, but I, but I didn't really know. You know how mm-hmm. these pieces of information are parallel and you're not, they're not crossing over? Right. And we're catching up. It's the beginning of the new year. And what are you doing? And, and she goes, well, we're getting ready to start a new cohort. It's a two-year thing. And she goes, and I just had someone drop out. So I got to kind of figure out about that. And then we were starting our thing. I said, well, maybe that's something I should do. I should maybe do that. Because I, I end up having a lot of spiritual conversations with people. They come to me for advice. And was it better to have some more tools? Right. And she was just like, all right, well, let's pray. And then the next day, I filled out you know, the application and I started the following week. It was just like very clear. I had, I have some different prayer people throughout the country who pray for me on certain things and help me discern. And I had them pray about it and kind of get back to me. And, um, yeah. So, and, and during that time while I was waiting for that application, it was just a few days. That's when I wrote the song wide. Okay. And I, I didn't, I, I sung it in the phone and I had all the lyrics down, but then I'd totally forgotten about it. And then, and then that one was with help from the um, guy that taught you piano. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he did such a great job. I just love that song. Take my life and make it white. Show me every closed off way in me. Bathe 
You know, that comes from my, you know, when I go to teach on theology and I speak about stuff, it's always trying to get to that essence. What's going to open up for somebody? And sometimes just one word in the Hebrew, and that's when I learned at some point that word yasa, you know, and it was like, it's at that root of salvation. But when you hear salvation, you're like, oh, that means I'm good, I'm saved, I'm going, I'm on the good team, blah, blah, blah. And, but it's that that root of that word is to make wide. And like how many people think of a life of faith about this being a life that's being made wide. You, know, right. you think it's being it's, made it's more narrow opposite, and yeah. Yeah, tighter yeah. and boxier. And so I always want to introduce people to that idea. So that's what that song is about. Because I think if they could hear that, they'd be like, yeah, right. yes, I want a wide life too. Well, well, let me ask you this then. I, I would like to, if you don't mind, play at least a little bit of Fear Not at the end. Because I really love Blake at that. Yeah. Um, his voice on there is like that's the best Blake. That's so good. I mean, it's just it's just yeah. perfect. And and you wrote that for him. Yes. To sing. I mean, that's that's what's so fun, right? You've mm-hmm. got this friend who's the musician, and now you're kind of giving him something, and then he comes back. I think when when I first heard it, I mean, instantly I, I thought that is really a remarkable phenomenon. Where here's this, he's our friend that's the musician, and then here you are, and then you're giving him the. Helping music. to kind of you know bring out yeah. some of the best of him, yeah, it, which really, is so I mean, beautiful. I'm not, you know, must, but I thought that was really a powerful phenomenon. So I'll leave that to the end. Listen, you got to listen to all the way. But through. I think that's kind of how all of your songs have gone, yes. right? I mean, that's just one example of it. That's exactly right. I'm so sorry because life. I'm giving you this long version. But uh, the reason why I tell you that is where we are. So this is January of 2018. I start this spiritual direction program. The opening week, we're all like getting to know each other and telling each other stories, and like you're just hearing these unbelievable stories of how hard people have fought to have true faith mm. and yeah. what kind of things, what kind of oppressive systems they've yeah. had to push it's past and easy. ties with families and all this kind of stuff. Mm. And that's when we went to the Getty Museum for an outing. We're supposed to look at art. It normally would be my thing. I was like, I don't want to do that. And I'm just laying out on the marble up there. And that is when I heard the lyrics for Enter Here, like full lyrics. Well, now I know how to use the app. So I'm in the <laughs> Getty and I'm singing that song for Enter Here. So that is the thing. And I say that, that then held for the next two years. I didn't do anything musical mm. for two years while I finished but this that program. Was, that was the thing. You knew you were going to come back to that. To that song. And I would yeah. go, sometimes I would go to musicians and I would say, the song, and, and do you think maybe, you, oh yeah, yeah, I'll help you. But you know, everyone's got their own thing and they never right. did. And I didn't really have enough to, and then one day, so it's, it's end of July in 2019, and this wonderful guy, Phil Cordero, who I have known for 15 years, he's a high-level, like, world-class stage guitar player, and like all musicians, has to pay bills by teaching, you know, yeah. piano and guitar, and he's also a producer and does, you know, remarkable things. So he pulls up to teach lessons to the kids on the street, which he's been doing forever, so that's, you know, how I know him. And I just looked. And, you know, it's not unusual. He's there like the trash man, like every week, right? <laughs> but that day, I just leapt. And I ran out to the door, and I'm like, mm, I'm banging on his door. Like, Phil, Phil, 
do you teach adults? And can you teach me, like, I don't know, I want to be able to play some Taizé chants, like if I had people at my house for a little gathering. Mm. And then, you know, just a little a little composing. If I could, what do you need to write a song? Do I need some composition <laughs> and some, maybe some, I don't know. Th- and he's just looking at me like, oh, my, what is going Who's on with her? Who's this crazy lady? And we started two days later. And we have taken a lesson a week, and he just walked with me. And I have to tell you, because you started out by saying, okay, well, so I'm going to do this album, my friends. I didn't know any of that. I had just come out during the whole spiritual direction program. I had been working on a new memoir because I felt so certain that I wanted to return to like what I considered my heart work. I didn't want to be mm-hmm. doing theology books anymore, even though I think they're good and important. It's mm-hmm. important someone does it well. Like I missed that thing where you could really you feel you. the pulse of it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I thought, I'm going to return to memoir. And I so I was working, 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 working. I mean hundreds and hundreds and just working and the more I worked the more exhausted I was getting from Mm. it you know and I finally got to the end I was like I don't think this is working and so then I was just fried and just Mm. praying like what and I started thinking maybe maybe I'll get rid of all of it and it'll just be like a one-woman show Mm. it'll be a one-woman show it'll be 90 minutes I'll just take a few cues so that's what I was thinking so when I started this piano the back of my mind I am thinking it's going to be a play and at the end of the play, I am going to perform Enter Here. And that will have been the full scope of it. <laughs> okay. okay. That's what I'm thinking like in the I first see. couple of months. And I am so idea. frustrated because I'm horrible. I don't play well. I mm. can't sing. I have no patience for how bad I was. And I would like do this. And words would come out of my mouth. And Phil would be like, Heather. F bombs during Jesus' music, really? And <laughs> he goes, you out of the yeah. mood a little bit. He goes, you're gonna, you're gonna need to settle down a little bit. I was like, <laughs> you know, I mean, how does it ever make you feel when someone says settle down a little bit? Yeah. But slowly, <laughs> it usually works quite famously when Jeff does that to me. I mean, Stacey. I don't know. <laughs> Joking. Anyhow, I did after a few months start to settle down because I started to realize, and then another song came and another one. Full Circle Day is the song I wrote. You know, during that time in November, that's when Remy had to go in for a gnarly, mm. gnarly procedure where they drilled holes in her mm. skull in 10 places and put wires directly on her brain and strapped her to a bed for three weeks. And Jeez. we went through some hardcore stuff. And I wrote Full Circle Day mm. the night before she went into the, hot, the opening of it. And I didn't mm. finish it for a few months later. So that is when, to answer your question, I started to realize like, oh... You're not going to perform these songs. You don't have to be good at piano. You don't have to learn to sing. You don't have to do any of that. These songs have each been prepared for a different friend in your life, and you already know who they are. Mm -hmm. And I could immediately start to match up. I knew that Donna would do Full Circle Day, and I didn't know about why till later. that In Enter Here, I always thought that would be my neighbor, Rachel, who, you know, we've been neighbors for 25 years, and she's not a church person, mm-hmm. and, um, but I just knew it would speak to her, and I think I knew if it spoke to her, mm. that I'd opened, you know, something mm. had been opened to Big, speak out, mm. you bigger know? Bigger and wider. Bigger <laughs> and wider, and so I finally got her to live. I said, can you just help me out? I just want to hear somebody else. I just want to hear somebody else sing it mm. other than me. Can you just do it so I, for my own, mm. and I finally got her, and she's just like, Oh 
my God, I can't get this song. Is Let's get Jonas on the phone. And that was her ex-husband. And he's an incredible arranger. And, and they just started. And next it's thing you know, we were yeah. recording it and shooting the video. And that's the only song on the album that was actually recorded in a studio, like the way you're supposed to make music. Mm. Everything, Before COVID. Yeah, because COVID hit the day. We, you know, there's that beautiful video. Yeah. And I was spo- they created that video for me because I was supposed to speak at a mission conference and I was going to play that at the end. That was kind of part of it. Could you, right. could you do a little video for me? Well, she's an actress and director, so of course I knew she wouldn't do a bad job. She wouldn't do like a cheesy job. Right. So she does this magnificent job. And then the ca- conference got canceled. Oh. So then we had this magnificent thing. It was magnificent. It, it is, is magnificent. Yeah. We'll link to it at protectyournoggin.org. Org. Would you mind if we play that track then to start with? Enter you can here. play everything you want. That's well, fine. This is Enter Here. We'll be right back. I saw that, Heather. I thought, uh, well, you weren't kidding. I thought, you know, oh gosh, some, you know, somebody we know has got a video. I got stupid videos all over the place. I didn't know this was, this was so beautiful. And it, uh, it kind of inspired me to create a whole uh, hippie vibe. And I'm not, you know, there you go. You take my, take my card. It, it kind of inspired me to um, create a whole, uh, a whole playlist for our family, especially because we were in COVID and uh, the, the pandemic had kind of forced my family to have this really wonderful time together, uh, despite all the, the struggles and the frustrations of life. And one of the things we did was we just tried to, to, to bring some of our medicine to either our anxiety or, or whatever, and the medicine was music. And so we, made, uh, we kind of built a playlist out from that. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to approve of the other stuff, the other wacky hippie stuff I put on the playlist, but it was for our family. We've shared it. You can go to a Dow Surfer's uh, the handle of Dow Surfers on YouTube for any of our playlists and uh, some, some of our podcasts get put up there as well. But um, so you were talking about the way in which this project became 
uh, a way for you to connect this, this music medicine and people in your life. Um, take us down that road. Where, where else did you go? So here I am, and now I realize and I, that it's going to be an album, and this is how I thought. Rachel's going to sing Enter Here, and Blake's going to sing Fear Not, you got and that. Donna's going to sing Full Circle Day, and my good friend Kate Campbell and I'll show, she's going to sing Morning Song because we share that love of the Celtic thing, and the, she just has the most luminous voice. I knew she was going to do that. And so I, I think that I was there, and I thought, oh, it's going to be an album, but how can I do an album without something for Ernie and Steph and Matt, okay. who are our yeah. home team yeah. at Hope LA, who are like the most gifted musicians I know. They're part of my everyday life. I could not possibly put out an album. That would have been in, in, that, in that wouldn't have included them. To not them, to, to just the universe. You should have. To the universe. Yeah, you had no choice. Exactly. No <laughs> choice. And then I thought... But I can't write for them because they're so cool, you know, and I'm like this mm-hmm. old white woman and they do this R&B mm-hmm. stuff and it's soulful and it's this and that. I said, I can't, I can't write like that. And then as soon as I was hearing that in my head, I could hear, Alante, Alante, Alante. And I thought, okay, I don't know what that is, but let's get those chords down. <laughs> and that song just started building and going these just strange places and it starts with this kind of opening lyric vibe and then it goes into chorus and in my mind I'm seeing it like it's like a scene from a musical and it's the husband and the wife and they're encouraging each other and they're, they're on the set and now now it's going to build up and and now the the, the chorus is going to come in and they represent the cloud of witnesses and they're going to bring in this and by the time I got it to those guys to describe it to them what we were doing, I said, Nina, it's going to have a Spanish flair, Matt. You can do that with a Spanish thing. And, and he looks at this thing, which to me, and, and Phil had to help me notate it because it was six pages. And at the time, I, I, I would have died to try and fill out six pages in Sibelius. Like it would take me, just to get one measure right, would take me two hours, you know. Mm-hmm. By the end, I was doing like Sophia and the longer works. I could do all of them myself. But um, I... I show it to them, and and they're like, I can't, I can't really hear. It. And this is just a lead sheet. I was just like, What do you mean? It's just a lead sheet. Look how fancy it looks. Look, it's got all the, the stuff. What do you mean? And um, he's like, This is going to be a lot of arranging work. And they were really struggling to see it. And it didn't matter how many times. And I kept writing all these descriptions. It was like a theater piece, and everything. And they'll come in here, and this will be here. And I kept flailing my arms, and I could see that they wanted to love it for me, and they wanted to do it for me, but no one knew how to start. And Matt said, Let's Let's just have Ernie do the vocal, and then we'll be able to hear it. And then we'll, and Ernie's like, let's have Matt do the guitar, and then once we can hear the guitar, and we would go back and forth. But what's so funny is, even though all these guys are super pros and they knew everything, and the the probably the normal response should be like, well, there must be something wrong with this song. So I maybe I should do. It's like. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. You just have to keep going. Just trust me. It's, it's just keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And so they did, and we kept pushing through and pushing through, and we had to do all kinds of recordings. And then, the, you know, our little Love Rises choir, which had just started, all these people were so excited. They're recording their parts on their phones, and we're bringing it all in and auto-tuning everything. And we didn't get... Ish Pineda came in, who was Ernie's friend, like two days before the final tracks were due to be mastered. And he brought in that awesome percussion and just made the whole thing come to life. And I knew the second I heard that, I just started jumping up and dancing around the room. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is the most joyful song ever. We did it. We did it. And then everyone was so excited. Um, But it, it was not like, oh yeah, this is easy. I get it. Let's just do it. When you've waited for too long 
can't go on When it seems like all his promises are only a mirage Adelante, adelante, adelante When the true you's never seen When the longing's all that's been When the meant to be that's in you Still a dimly lighted path Adelante, adelante Adelante I have to I have to say, first of all, I'm looking at I'm looking at the credits. Ernie Chico Perez, he goes to our church. I mean, we have this very it's so small as a, as a church. I will say that it's it's kind of like what most people would think of as like the small group that is in charge of other small groups. You know, some some of you have three youth pastors. Mm. If you're listening, if you go to church, um, and the per capita talent <laughs> yeah, at this talent, little church in LA it's just love i mean just I mean, the commitment you know you can it's see it's amazing you know, when you're when you're on Skype we sometimes we'll we'll Skype church in our RV in our mm-hmm. truck camper and we'll go down like some of these days were really hot and we don't have air conditioning here and so we would just we would go down to the beach cuz we got the the annual pass and we just let the the marine breeze just kind of cool us off a little bit and we'd be listening to church doing some writing and uh you know, kind of not trying to go outside, but then there'd be there'd be people outside, and they're going, "Man, they kind of want to come in." You know, the, the kids are looking up, going, "That what? What kind of church is that going on in there?" And then you've got Matthew, who is classically trained guitarist, that blows my mind, and he's got a USB mic plugged into his to his Zoom, and you're thinking, <laughs> "All right, if we could just get Zoom somehow to make it so it works when we're all singing together, that that'd be the next level." But when everybody mutes. And you put these cats on there. Um, but how did how did the church run into uh, Virginie? <laughs> Virginie came in through Matt to feed in Hope Kitchen, which is how you guys first mm-hmm. came up there, mm-hmm. right? To help us feed. Was that the first time you came? Well, or had yeah. you come to service? We, we wanted to see what the, your whole operation was up there because we had been promising to do it for a while. Right. So we, I had been up there when you had Blake there as right. well one time with other people. But yeah. Yeah, I remember mm-hmm. that. So you guys came and brought some uh, veggie lasagnas. I remember mm-hmm. that. But we had been running a, a Hope Kitchen for a year, which was originally Matt's vision. This is what's so great about that church is 
we had just been getting started. We had done the mural, that big, fabulous Love Rises mural, and it had been there. We hadn't done anything with it. I was like, you know, for Easter, guys, we really should probably do like a big outreach kind of barbecue thing, get some local vendors, blah, blah, blah. And we were all talking. But you could hear that like their hearts weren't quite as in it as mine. And mm-hmm. I kept thinking, you learn to listen. That's like that discerning mm-hmm. thing. Why aren't they feeling that, right? And they're like, yeah, yeah, we'd make the list. And they'd start to, and then it wouldn't happen. And one day Matt just says, it's like in February, he's like, you know, we're so focused on trying to get all the new people who've moved into the area. He goes, but there's a lot of old people in this area who are struggling. Mm -hmm. And I think we should be taking care of them. I think we should be taking (laughs) care of the people in the streets. I think we should start feeding them something simple, veg, beans, greens, rice. I think if we do that, a lot of people are going to come here and they're going to come alongside us. And they're going to want to feed with us because people want to help with stuff like that. And I think it'll just grow that way. And we all look like, there it is. That was, <laughs> that was Matthew, Matthew's idea? Oh, it was all his idea. Did you bring your mic a little closer? To to cl- no, like right in the corner of your mouth. There? Yeah. yeah. Is that better? Okay. So, um, it was, so it was his idea. And, and the thing is, is, if that was at any other church... Well, oh, it'd be so much You work. form a committee, and then it'll spend a year being killed in committee, the legal yeah. problems, and the health code, and blah, 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 blah. And we're like, right. okay, who's bringing rice? Who's bringing, how right. many should we plan for? Let's plan for 10, but whatever it was going to be. And we started the next weekend, and we never missed wow. um, a Sunday until we went up to serving 100 meals mm-hmm. on a Sunday. And what we learned pretty early on in the first few weeks was we thought, oh, they all come in, and we had the table set with a little prayer and a little can. They're not coming in. Right. You know, LA is, everything's very spread out. What are they going to do? Leave their stuff and walk a mile? And they're supposed to remember that it's, oh, it's from, you know, 9 to 10 or right. 10 to on, this on day, Sunday. Yeah. You know, they, they, they can't be doing that. So <laughs> we figured that out and we just started loading stuff up and driving around. And you guys came up one day, right? And you got yep. my, in the car with me. I'm driving around like a yep. crazy yeah. woman. And you're like, what do we do? What do we do? It's like, you Get see out. that person? <laughs> Get going. out and go offer him some food and say hi. Well, then, <laughs> and it, was, it was funny, too, because there was one of the times when I think even that day, I think it was, or maybe shortly after. But anyway, Ernie was saying they had a cop following him. Yeah. And he was kind of, of like, huh, am I going to get pulled over for this? I mean, I guess there's a lot worse <laughs> things to be getting pulled over for, right? It, but, it could it could conceivably look like you're doing drug deals if you're like, you know, <laughs> rolling up with some big ba- Slowing down, <laughs> we, you know, scoping out the place. But, but to your point on the, on, on like Matt's friends coming up, we, there was a young woman, I forget her name now, and she was cruising around in the Delica with us and we would jump out of the Delica, do our gorilla, uh, mm-hmm. you know, well, Yeah, before we had And so I was going, and she was so cool. I'm, please, if you're Lutheran, dear friend, if you're listening and you're Lutheran, please do not take this the wrong way. But this young woman was very cool. Okay. <laughs> so, so I said, uh, you know, well, that's really great. Like, man, like I, I'm really liking this church. This is like our, you know, second, third time here. And, and I, this is great. But what, what brought you here? She goes, I ain't going to church. <laughs> I'm just here to do the, the feeding part. And then and we're out of there. And that at first I was thinking that's kind of, gosh, that's a bummer. But part of it, and that's why I was asking about Virginie is, is she doesn't always come on Sunday mornings. But she's like part of this thing that's going on, right? She's doing on Saturdays. You guys got the choir going. Okay, so Virginie comes in and, and Matt says, she's coming. She's bringing kitchery. He's like, well, we don't know what that is, but that sounds good. You know, and it's, of course, it's all of it. She goes, oh, yes, I do fast with it. I eat. This is the only thing I eat for, you know, 10 days or 30 days or what. I'm like, oh, okay. And this was what was get, what really get funny is 
people have their food things, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And so you've got people who want like health. We want to get the people really healthy. I'm like, you know, we're just trying to keep them alive <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and maybe some comfort food. And maybe yeah. kitchery isn't going to be a familiar item. You know, so we ended up having, they said they'll only need the kitchery. They won't need anything. I said, kitchery <laughs> is a side dish, but we're going to need to have some other, you know, <laughs> we right. need to navigate all little, that stuff. Little different flavors every now and then, right? But it's a spiritual yeah. potluck. Yeah. And then yeah. stupid Jeff and Stacy come up with our, <laughs> uh, with our pre-bought. I mean, part of that was totally. just we were overwhelmed in life at the time. But I, I do like to think that uh, a nice... A nice cheesy lasagna every once in a well, while can go really well. <laughs> and the first time we went, we, we brought we brought the enchiladas. Oh, and that's those right. were that's right. veggie enchiladas. They were good. They were great. And everyone so <laughs> and I'll tell you, you know, you guys have been out on the street with us. People are so grateful. Yeah. yeah. And they always pray for us and it's beautiful. So anyhow, Virginie had been coming for about a month. And I noticed after she'd served, she, you know, she only stayed for church one time. She went and she was kind of standing outside. I said, do you want to know what we're doing here? What the story of this? And so I told her the whole story of how we've been replanting the church and this and that. And she just kept it's just so beautiful. I said, isn't it? It's such a sweet little mm-hmm. space, so prayed space. up. And, and she goes, it would be a lovely place for concerts. I said, yes, wouldn't it? Would you like to? Because I knew she was a musician. Yes, maybe we concerts. She goes, or maybe a community choir. I said, like, oh, yes. I've been wanting to do a community <laughs> choir forever. I think that's awesome. I said, would you do it? I like threw my arms around. I said, would you do it? She's like, yes, I'm going to talk to my husband and we started two weeks later and the thing that's so great about that timing is we only met four times in the space before the quarantine started we immediately shifted to zoom because there was enough momentum and Mm -hmm. interest and we have almost doubled in size since we've been online because and you can't it's not a perfect experience but people are so connected and now we have pivoted our food service we don't cook and deliver on sundays but we're now helping to take care of um food insecure families who are in the little preschool that rents out for us and we're bringing groceries and now all the choir people half of them who've never even been in the church before they're coming and they're coming and they're all that i think that's one of the greatest developments and the whole thing's just been so organic yes but you let me you let me um, try to redeem myself as a, a failed as a failed uh, garage band singer, and um, <laughs> you let me in on this little song that you did that um, that actually kind of made me cry as I was singing it because you know we were all kind of locked down and I, I didn't know what it was going to look like at the end. I didn't know my friend Bill Hood was going to be on there, you know. Um, but uh, this song is is kind of something that we don't have enough of in in our lives, most of us. But whenever it happens, everybody's happy about it, and that is being at a pub and all of a sudden somebody breaks into a song and everybody starts singing and they go, why can't we do this more often? <laughs> and then we never do it again. <laughs> you know, right. like there are some cultures that have the beer drinking songs or whatever. Right. The, you the, the picture pub songs. the, the oh, mugs yeah. up in the air, you know, and, and the celebrating. And it, and it was interesting because I didn't really make the connection at first between like, well, what does that have to do with heaven? And then I was thinking, no, like if I'm in, if I'm in heaven, uh, which is, you know, I was still the jury's out on that one. I'm kind of kidding. <laughs> um, no, but if like if I'm in if I'm in if I'm picturing heaven and I've got to you know do this thing where where, where I'm growing up, you know, like all four stanzas, you know, row harder, you know, um, where you know I get a billion, Sing I get a billion, louder. billion, a billion stanzas, <laughs> and then I take a smoke break and go back to it. Like that's you know not a very attractive kind of picture of heaven. A great picture of heaven is all these people. Some of them I used to be mad at. But we're all there, and it is all reconciled, and we're singing, and it's all right. It's all right. And then this song comes out of a kind of, you know, a poignant situation. So would, would you tell me the backstory? Tell, tell our listeners the backstory of Heaven Isn't Far Away? 
Well, it's dedicated to my friend Eric Tricky, but I didn't decide to dedicate it till after uh, uh, after it was written, and because he was so dear, and I knew that, and he passed while it was in um, production, and he had had ten years sober in the pulpit. He loved the idea that it was going to be a pub sing. He thought that was just hilarious, ironic, and great, mm-hmm. and um, but uh, the lyric came to me. I remember I was Remy had just gotten on the she had her second brain surgery in January. She had just gotten out of it. She was fine. We knew it was fine. It was like that first kind of exhale after a very, very hard season of, it was very tense. And um, and I was walking, I can picture where I am in that UCLA Medical Center. And it's actually the line um, from now straight through to forever is a line I wrote in the book, Happier Those. Mm. Because I was trying to explain what your faith life is. Mm-hmm. It begins and it just keeps getting wider and fuller and you're farther along on this path until yes. there you are just, straight you through. are straight through in heaven, that's right? What the medieval that's called what, the beatific vision. So it's not boring, it just gets bigger. It's, that's what it felt like to me. Yeah. And suddenly I could hear that line to the song and it was very happy. And mm-hmm. I think that was that feeling of celebration. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the point. Because some of the songs on this album are very deep and they meet people at a place of pain and disappointment and they try and bring in a vision of hope. But ultimately, the whole point of that depth mm-hmm. and that faith is to have a life of freedom and joy. And like you say, that, that thing about being in the pub, and I remember when I was, Jonas arranged it for me and I kept trying to tell him what it was like and what it should feel like and what instruments. I said, you know, it's like as if you're rooting for your favorite sports team or your country just won in the Olympics and everyone's going to suddenly, <laughs> but the, you know, the country's yes. the kingdom of God, you know what yeah. I mean? And we're all going to sing with that because it's just we're just happy yeah we're just happy and that is the point you right? know and it came and, across really well yeah. like it definitely it, it feels that way it you know and in a time like this you know that what we've been everybody's been going through and things like it's it's, it's really neat to have you know sort of that that experience that we can't really go out and have so and it's not yeah. it's not cheap no no thank you all for being here it's time to raise a glass and sing ourselves home. From now straight to forever, I lift my heart to you. For heaven isn't far away, what's true is ever true. From now straight to forever, I gather friends with joy to share the Jingoism for some cult, right? Join our 
join our congregation, our denomination, and then everything will be fine. You know, it, it's not, um, it's, it's not like some corporate pitch. It's not, um, it's definitely not you lauding yourself. You're not the diva in this. <laughs> you know, this is what Stacey and I were talking about with the Tao Te Ching. Like the, the, the true sage, she, she, she sets this thing out. And then what happens, Stacey? Everybody thinks it was their idea. Right, and they all run with it. And the sage know. is very happy to say, please. <laughs> that, does she doesn't own keep, it. You know. Right. Doesn't Did you hear that language it? you just used? No. That's exactly the language of Sophia. Yeah, okay. Well, no, right? I get, that's, that's, that's where <laughs> I want to get into. built her tent and the table is oh, set. Oh, that's right. And you just that's said right. that. That's right. I didn't even think of it that way. But of course, Sophia then is probably the answer to where I want to go next. But let's, go, let's, let's take it slow here for just a second. You have helped me on a couple occasions not lose my cool because I will say there is, there's on the one hand, there is a great danger in people of faith observing great cruelty, injustice, uh, the usurpation of the church for evil, the very evil that, that Jesus was against. Now, what do you do when you see this? You can be angry. I can smash stuff up. I can, I can shake my fist at the kids on my lawn, but, but I'm not sure how to do this. And this album was part of the answer as I was thinking about it over the last couple weeks of trying to not get baited into really crazy things online. And that is, it's never really been the case that, that direct combat has won the day. There are times, but for the most part, in these deep spiritual battles that have physical manifestations, the om- almost the only way to get people that, that are that are dug in on their their side, which I'm going to say is the side of evil, uh, in many cases. Whether or not they realize it. Yes, and I mean I'm not pulling punches on that. I'm saying there are some things that I'm seeing in in Christian churches that are evil, and if I if I mince words about it, then I think that's the greater that's the mm-hmm. greater sin. But it's not necessarily the case that I need to always tweet about it. I got to romance them. I, I, I'm not saying that there aren't times to fight, but I think that the, the way forward is a romance to a better way because nobody has that much bitterness if they're healthy inside. And so instead of, if somebody's coming at me with clubs, if I go at them with the clubs, they probably are so into their violence that they're probably going to win because I've lost all nine fights I've ever been. <laughs> and you <laughs> don't really care fights. about the actual fight itself. No. You care more about the I'm meaning not, behind what's going no, you on. Can, you know, I don't mind getting beat up. I'm just, there's times when I have to, we need to be better at figuring out the art of wooing people, romancing people into the healing. And this, I will say, compliments here, this album is that sort of thing. It is, it is not in your face with a, it's not a sales pitch. It's an invitation. I want to enter there, right? Track one. I want to be at that pub singing tra- track 10. But right, in, the, right in, in this album also is something that is a very important concept. Sophia, tell us what this is and, and what it means to you. Well, Sophia is the Greek word for wisdom. It is the translation whenever it says in the Hebrew, hakba. And it's not properly taught in the Protestant tradition. No, it is not. It's not taught at all in the Protestant tradition. And um, 
You know, there's always unintended consequences. When During the Reformation, Luther and, and others are trying to get clarity on what should be authoritative. And so they say, well, okay, let's, let's say it has to be written in the Hebrew. That we know it was for the first people of God. I and mean, that seems like a good decision. It wasn't necessarily made. And at the time, you know, we had these wonderful, what we now call intertestamental books, or some will call apocrypha. And those were all just scripture. It was all holy scripture up at, you know, for 1,500 years. You know, so let's, mm-hmm. let's remember that Christianity didn't start during the Reformation. I think it's important we talk about that. This was all considered Holy Scripture. And Luther kept it in the Bible. It was in the Bible for a while still. Well, he said it should be there. It's excellent for study, but what he wanted to do is take it out of the middle and put it in the back. So the first... Uh, Bibles that were printed had in the table of contents where these intertestamental books would be at the end, but the actual pages weren't there. Mm. Um, And so the first template became the template, and then everything else built off of that. Mm. And so if you're here at 95% of Protestant churches in, in America... They have no idea what you're talking about when you say the Book of Wisdom. They don't even know what that is, mm-hmm. and they would be very suspicious. And I guarantee you, if you go to look at if you go to look um, at the readings, you are not going to see Proverbs eight and nine, where you can still read about Sophia. You can hear it. I mean, the language in the song is directly from Proverbs eight and nine. I mean, some from the Book of Wisdom. When you but, say in the readings, you mean in the Lutheran lectionaries? Uh, yes. Interesting. Oh, yeah. There are twice in a three-year cycle, you will see a passage, and it'll usually be like the Tuesday afternoon reading, (laughs) you know, and no one will ever do it. Wait a minute. And so nobody ever has to explain it. So this became something I was interested in, believe it or not. Like, I I wasn't a Christian very long, and I really wanted to learn more. And I went to LMU and got permission to audit a master's level class in wisdom, just because I wanted to see who would let me take something. I wanted to just learn more. And I lived near there. And this is when my son was still in high school. And I would go to baseball games, and I'd come with my little Venice High sweatshirt, and I'd go in there with all the you know, people who were studying theology there at, at LMU. And literally, when I said, thought it was wisdom, I thought it was like, Oh, wisdom. We're going to learn to be wiser. I didn't know anything about it. And as I read, and we read phenomenal, phenomenal things. Um, oh, gosh. I'm just blanking. What is the, what is the great play about Matthew Shepard? Uh, it's in my, it's in my, uh, uh, it's in my uh, office. Yes, I know. And a Laramie Project. So we read that, and we read The Secret Life of Bees, and we read all these articles and all this stuff. And it was like everything about that was wisdom. And mm-hmm. it was the Sophia wisdom tradition, and it was writings out of the... So- and it all made such sense to me that it was like, of course. Now, maybe that's because I'd spent a lot of time in monasteries at that point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just... Yes. And so, once again, I thought, well, I guess we don't talk about this because everybody else must already know it. Maybe they covered it earlier, <laughs> and I wasn't there. But so this was something that I was learning even early on. And then I would go out a couple times a year and do like week-long trainings and kind of sit at the feet of this wonderful monk who came down from Santa Cruz and learn about St. John of the Cross and Teresa of Avila and Hildegard and, and Teilhard de Jardin. And, and we just, you know, sit there. And every, all of the ways he speaks comes from a point of view, and then specifically about Sophia. So it just became all this knowledge in me. And it was right after I finished my MA and and I kept thinking, I'm not going to do a PhD. What is the point of doing a PhD? No one needs any more people who have more academic information in their brain about the faith. It's just pointless. People need to be able to connect to yeah. the people outside with what they know and live and feel and can reflect. And at the, But suddenly, in that moment, I thought, 
No, if I'm going to get a PhD, it's going to be in this, and this is what it's going to be called: wisdom and how we killed her. And, and I was going to talk. And I was going to talk about and well, it's not real, too late. And and really talk about why I think the country and the world, but particularly in America, why we look the way we look right now, oh. because we have taken all divine female mm-hmm. wisdom, which is God's wisdom out of the equation and we've become so hyper competitive capitalist yeah. everything mm-hmm. combative me mine you're bad mm-hmm. it, it, because you've, lo- you've yes, lost that whole thing and, and it's like wisdom delights in all her children and and you don't see any delight anymore you don't no. see anything that invites all the children mm-hmm. come all the children come to the table and i think because we don't teach that. Now, it's still in the Catholic Church, but they don't emphasize it, but you will still hear those readings. Now, of course, the Eastern Orthodox, they're, they're just it. deep in it, and the Hagia yeah. Sophia, and the beautiful stuff. Well, that's why they have these great liturgies, and um, I don't think, well, I don't know, I, I, you know, I can't explain, I, I don't know enough about it to say that, but uh, I believe there's a direct correlation between the very um, ugly climate that we find ourselves in and the lack of a sense of brotherhood, belonging, caring for all, uh, because we have failed to properly teach this. And one of the reasons why it's so interesting, okay, so you really get to meet, uh, and, and the first two verses are lifted almost word for word out of um, the Book of Wisdom, chapter 7. And so it's all Holy Scripture. I think that um, if people can hear this and understand this, it can begin to just... Um, soften their hearts and make and also kind of empower women i'm sorry but Mm -hmm. you see this is what happens in the protestant tradition or whatever it is we have here in america now i don't even know what to call it but um you just say woman and all they oh no here they come (laughs) it's gonna be the feminist libtards and it's female ordination and blah 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 it's like no, I am talking about the wisdom of God, the fullness of God, and we are not teaching the fullness of God, which is why we have such a broken right. church, you know, if we have that healing and that wholeness. You know, well, and even in my background, I mean, people are really reluctant to even talk about the Holy Spirit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about the book of, uh, book of Wisdom. Now, that's in these intertestamental books. These intertestamental books were written in Greek to help prepare a culture that was not schooled in the faith to have files in their brain to receive the information. That's where we are right now. So why Mm -hmm. don't we bring back the things that were already written to help people understand? And, you know, no one teaches this. I happen to have, like, the Bible with everything in it, so you can get all the good footnotes. But there are major passages in the Gospels, in John, and then in the letters in Colossians, which were taken word for word from hymns that in the time of Christ, when he came, were sung with Sophia in the word. Mm. In the beginning was Sophia, and Sophia was... Interesting. All of this, because that's how they understood it. It wasn't heretical. They weren't saying God was a woman. They were saying that God has given us a female pronoun and archetype Mm -hmm. for his wisdom. And that is how it's described. And when people met Jesus, they recognized in him all the qualities they'd already been prepared to understand. And so then they 
switched over and then called it he because they saw him as the fulfillment in that. Right. Now, you're going to find a lot of the mystics and, and certainly some Eastern Orthodox, and you know I can't say whether this is right or not, but I think it's certainly worth considering, where they will say that Sophia was poured into Christ... Sophia was crucified in Christ. Why, why, why Christ, Jesus has such a clear masculine body, feminine nature in the mm-hmm. way he does things. And you don't hear about Sophia again once you're in the New Testament. <laughs> and so they have that thought. Well, that's interesting. It's, I'm not trying to assert that that's the thing to take away from it. It doesn't even matter whether that's the thing or not. None of us get to know that. Right. But what I do know is when we deny people this understanding of the feminine side of God, the gracious side mm-hmm. of God, this delight. You know, my friend, um, new friend, very new friend, Justin Ross, I was just has a book out right now called Delight. And he actually just wrote me and asked, oh, would you take a little look at it? And I didn't even really know him well before. I said, well, let me look at it. And, and he said, do you have any thoughts? And he's so sweet. He's a really good guy. That's a great book because we don't talk about delight. You know, we need to talk about delight. And you can't talk about delight if you don't know Sophia. Because there's <laughs> nothing really much to be delighted about. It's just like, get the doctrine right. If you get the doctrine yep. right, we're going to be good. At least but, you won't go to hell so you'll have a <laughs> sip of soda. <laughs> but the delight thing was so much. And I was able to say to him, and I've heard this done not by you directly, but 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 scholars who I know and respect, and I've written to them about this, where they go back to those passages in Proverbs 8, where it talks about Sophia. I was there in the beginning, creating by his side, using the feminine, very clear. And you talk to any Lutheran pastors, they didn't mean that. They just meant Jesus. It just means Jesus. I said, you know, that's, that's not what it says. So unless you're trying to teach that then Sophia got poured into Jesus, you can't say where it says she... What is it you're trying to say? You know what I mean? It, just, right, it doesn't right, work. Right. But they immediately try and say, was well, it Jesus or the Holy Spirit? It, that's not important. And that's why they just skip the verse because right. they can't even they don't explain know what to do it. That. But why not lift it up and say, look, mm-hmm. this is a, we're delighting, delighting in creation, male, female, all together collaborating, cross-pollinating. Well, and, and then, I mean, there's this whole side of, you know, with being a female, like, what do you, you know, what do you do with all, all of these things that come naturally to you. Um, there's no example in, you know, in a, in a lot of the church that I've been a part of for most of my life of even good female leaders and, and having that strength. And like, you know, again, what do you do with that whole side? The, the, the quieter, the humbler, the, you know, that, I mean, where is its place in, in our church? And I think it has a huge place that we've, you know, unfortunately kind of have like... Vacant. Yeah, that we've we've left kind of hanging there and you know, there's so many young ladies and, and well, and even just males in general, like what, you know, what examples do they have of good female leaders or, or, you know, what do you do with that energy? Um, well, and it's interesting you say that because then we, what, what happens now is women have to start being more like men to try and compete right. in that way, which isn't and the it, way to do it. I mean, it's, and it's not natural. It doesn't, it's not authentic, and it doesn't come across well. I'm going to give you a good example. I was the first female president at our congregation, the church where I used to be. And at the end of the time, everyone wanted me to run again because I'd done a good job. And I said, and usually, you know, I say yes to everything, right? Like, I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. And not only am I not going to do it, I'm going to actively discourage several other 
excellent, capable women who would do a great job from doing it. Because if we become a church that has back-to-back female presidents, we will become that kind of a church, and we will never get a man to do it again. Mm. And it's already hard enough to get men to step up and do those jobs. So I said to these friends who are good friends, I don't want you to try and run. Lady number one, I don't want (laughs) you to try and run. And I will not run, but I'd like you to work with me to try and find the best man to replace me and come in afterwards. I think that's something that a woman does in wisdom for delighting in all the children, Mm -hmm. for maybe some of the older guys who were still struggling with the fact that there was a woman. Mm -hmm. Let's give them a little rest from that struggle for a bit, right? right. Interesting interesting strategy. And so I think that that's something you get from a woman where a man... Well, we all know they won't even step down. Right? <laughs> Sometimes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm the head of the Funa, and I'm going to be this see. head forever. You know, <laughs> right? Uh. Proverbs eight, starting with verse seventeen. I love those who love me. This is Sophia speaking. Um, and those who seek me find me. To your point about Jesus, right? With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice, bestowing a rich inheritance on those who love me and making their treasuries full. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was formed long ages ago at the very beginning when the world came to be. When there were no watery depths, I was given birth. When there were no springs overflowing with water, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the world or its fields or any of the dust of the earth, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep. What does that remind you of, baby? Well, it sounds like the creation account to me. Well, yes, (laughs) yes, yes. Well, I was thinking, because we were recently translating uh, something about the Tao. Mm -hmm. And so in some ways, this idea, this this really fits at at the time when this... uh, when this stuff is written, the intertestamental stuff especially, um, you have this way in which, yeah, it kind of goes away in the New Testament, but Paul draws also from this, um, uh, this connection with Hellenistic philosophy, and especially John, of course. So when John's talking about the Logos, he's also talking about the Logos Spermatikos of the, of the, uh, the Stoics, uh, who had this concept, and they were dissatisfied with the, the, traditional, the traditional gods. But it really goes back to something that I see fundamental throughout Scripture, and that is the, the battle, the spiritual battle between this idea, well, let's not even call it a battle. That's very machismo of me. Let's make it a, just these, these pictures, these paintings, pictures. You've got Tiamat and Marduk, the, the, like one of the earliest Babylonian accounts of what's going on in the world. That is, you need a masculine um, you need uh, the principle. You need a god king who is using violence and force to dominate society. Otherwise, there's mayhem. If you don't have civilization, if you don't subjugate nature and woman and beasts and the sea, then all hell breaks loose, loose literally. And so the Babylonian account has Tiamat, this feminine beast, hysteria, hysteria, womb, that rises up and then Marduk comes in and kills this, this female dragon. And that's how the creation of the world account uh, goes in the Babylonian uh, story. But if you know that that is in the background of people's minds, they know when, when the words of Genesis were read by ancient Israel, they were hearing this as a, a, almost a political and defiant text 
that was rejecting that. It wasn't saying that there's this beast coming out of the ocean that you need to kill. There's the spirit of God hovering over the surface of the deep. It is that maternal image of this amniotic fluid of creation as opposed to like dude's going to come in with his like hacksaw and like, you know, drill some things together. And no, there, there is that element to it. So you don't have to say there isn't this, the father uh, uh, al- uh, an analogy to a father because God isn't a dude anyway. But that analogy has to be there. And if you, t- if you didn't have that, then maybe you'd feel scared. Like, you know, is God in control of things? No, dad's up there. Um, does anyone love me? Does anyone care about my suffering? Can anyone hear my groaning and my cries? No, there was this spirit over the surface of the deep. And when you go into Proverbs 8, when you think of Sophia being there and she sees the face of this deep, that's once again the people of God hearing in their texts that rejection of the Babylonian violent metaphor and a, a, and a turning to this thing that you're saying, spot on, Heather, is, is, is the medicine we need right now. Well, and it's a deep calling to deep. You know, you're talking yeah. about the deep. If you listen to those chords in the opening to wide, mm-hmm. and then you hear them echoed again in Prayer of Tears, those chords are deep calling to deep, mm-hmm. where we are home and we are scared, we are lost, we are uncertain, it seems like everything's wobbly, and even if we don't like the church and we don't like the faces that represent the church on the TV, we're like, God, please please, you know, and it's mm. that, it's groans, you know, to, beyond words, and um, so I think Sophia has a healing voice in this, so I hope um, by having this song there that people can really recognize this is not a political discussion about women's roles in the church. She was there from the beginning, so I'm not really clear how we, we decided that oh, no, women right. can't have a role. She was there at the beginning with God creating the water. She's in the first creation narrative. Let's just not be afraid to use the feminine pronoun mm-hmm. in the sanctuary, in the gatherings of the people of God, where half of them, and some places more than half, are women. Mm-hmm. In my mind, I'm thinking about all the stories, and it's usually the women messing up somehow or not trusting in God. Those are the stories that stick in churches. Or, and that's the ones they yeah, tell. Yeah, no, no, I'm with you on that. Or at least Fitzpatrick talking about uh, it, Bathsheba isn't to blame. And, right. and people bristling at that. Right. Like, they're the ones that cause... Of course she's not to blame. To stumble. He's the king. That's how this goes. Anyway. Mm, sorry. Yeah, I, that was just in my no, own No, that's exactly head. right. I hadn't even really thought about it that much, well, other o- than what examples are left, right? The other one is, is the woman at the well. Everyone always you know, depicts her as a prostitute or a fallen mm. woman. It's like, do you think she has a say? She's only not a prostitute because she married somebody she didn't want to just so she could survive. She has yeah. no other options. Right. You know, she's not, if she was married five mm-hmm. times, it's not because she chose to get divorced. Right. She probably had an old guy who died mm-hmm. and another one who left her and, you know, whatever. Right. So, anyway. And the, and the assumption that Mary Magdalene is also a prostitute. Not, yep. not to be found. So I'm going to play Sophia. Uh, and then I want to come back for one more word before we close. Here we go. Sophia, 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 in every generation, she passes into holy souls. And may 
Thank you for uh, letting us be able to share this with our listeners, but how, Heather, can they get uh, their hands on this music in its entirety? Well, this music is an album called Life in the Key of God. It will be available for sale and available to stream and anywhere you buy music or stream music. It will have wide distribution. Pre-sales begin um, on October 15th, and the real release will be on November 12th. I'm figuring about November 12th, we will all be ready for a little beauty yeah. on and grace. Yeah. For the holidays and, coming up. And, and hope. Mm-hmm. And I just pray that people take little moments and just in these opening days where I begin to share it with people like yourself, the artists and, and different people who are promoting it, the work I can see in the back dash where people are going in and listening to certain tracks that are just prayer tracks and peace tracks mm-hmm. again and again. Yeah. And they say what you say, just when you sang the happiest song on the album, it, I just was weeping. I'm just weeping. People need a good cry. And this is a good cry that, as is promised in that wonderful when you fall, when you cry out in true confidence, you will not fall into the abyss, but into the hands of him who has opened Mm. his arms for all time upon the cross. Wow. Thank you so much for coming down. And chatting with us and sharing with us. Yep. What are we talking about? We're talking about protecting your noggin, which yep. means that the stuff you want to put in your head is the stuff that is going to be life-giving. Yeah. So choose life-giving music that will help you in your Christian formation and your walk and your way. And that is the best protection there is. And that is where you will find deep peace upon peace. I want to know what angels knew when they said fear not. I want to see what they saw when they claimed it I want to feel in my heart the sure quaking of his power In my life and cry out, fear not Fear not, fear I want to stand on that ground Where his people cry for not I want to hear what they heard When they tell me That the God who brings life Where there is no life at all 
Son 